0: I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. What's the optimum distance from the microphone? That's pretty good where right you here? swear. Yeah, that's good. Three fingers? Yeah,
0: three well, fingers. Well, that's a good measure. Yeah, <laughs> three, <laughs> f- three fingers <laughs> away from the Look microphone. Look down to see if you'd like to visualize yeah. it. Hello. City on the edge.
2: City on the edge. City. On the edge. City
0: on the edge. City. City on the edge.
2: City on the edge. edge. And welcome to City on the Edge, the podcast City that tells edge. Albuquerque and New Mexico stories. City on the Edge. Um, we are all back today. I've got uh, Nora Hickey's here on my left. Hello. Uh, and uh, Mike Hi. Smith on my right. Hi. And me uh, right in the middle.
0: That's Ty Bannerman.
2: Yeah. And today we're going to be following up on our um, Sabino, New Mexico story oh, yeah. and kind of find out. The latter-day incarnations oh, yes. of this place.
1: Well, we're gonna learn some more about this place. <laughs> so, if any of you listen to the last one and you're like, "Hmm, a little bean farming town," I want to know more. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna tell you what's going on.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but Exciting. first, uh, Nora has some New Mexico news.
0: Yes, nice. and it connects to national news, which yes. has been getting some airtime, and it's about the story of the Gray Brothers. Have you guys heard about them? The Gray yes. Brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thomas and Lloyd Gray, and they're from Española, mm-hmm. and they visited CSU, Colorado State University in Fort Collins.
2: So Española is about, what, an hour and a half mm-hmm. north, straight north from us, would you say? It's like right along the Rio Grande, yeah, right?
1: Toward, uh, yeah, it's in the Haymouse Range. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a such a beautiful place. Espanola mm-hmm. is absolutely gorgeous. And when you hear about the various problems that have affected them there, like uh, you know, I, I, it's just so sad because that place is amazing and the people are super mm. nice. The restaurants are like some of the best in the state for New Mexican food. What's I mean, your favorite Espanola restaurant? I can't remember, but we stopped at this El one Penicol? last time. Oh maybe that was maybe. A, I you know, you're asking yeah, you put me on the spot here, but but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I've had such good food there is it Burger
0: Dandy yeah. there or that? Burger I don't think place? I've ever been to
2: Burger Dandy or Dandy Burger. Dandy I think I've Burger. Sea sign. Yeah. sign. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I will say that I I, you know, Espanola is not the most like beautiful city yeah. when you're driving through, right? Right. It's in you a, don't beautiful think so? oh, think a beautiful cool. area. Okay, I think yeah, it's cool. think It's cool. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely Small. like. Yeah, and yeah. clearly, like, poorer than, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. oh, man. especially if you come right from Santa Fe and you go over there and you're like, oh, totally. yeah, this is actually New Mexico.
1: That whole county has been, drugs have not been kind to it. <gasps> you know what? I'm
0: wearing a pair of shorts that I got at the Walmart there because one time I got a flat tire. <laughs> And I had to stop at the Walmart (laughs) in Espaniola for like four hours. So I went to the Wendy's by the Walmart and then just bought a lot of clothes. So what uh, else can you do?
2: Speaking in the most possible white way, would you say that you are representing... Espanola. No, okay. I don't
0: know if I can. <laughs> Not like the Gray Brothers. All
2: right, so let's talk you know, about the Gray Brothers.
1: But but, but Espanola was one of the uh, creators of lowrider culture. I mean, That's they're really true. important yeah. for that. They were featured on MTV. They've been they've uh, been on. They've had cars from there on the cover of Lowrider Magazine, and, and it's, a, it's a cool place.
2: They're very old. What's that? They're very old, right? Oh yeah, very yeah. Old. I don't know a yeah. lot about their history, but I yeah. know they're like one of the yeah. like kind of more original. I like Espanola. Mexico,
1: I'm sad there's some problems there, but it's, it's a great place. Mm. I like and it, yeah.
2: should I, should I do, tell a yeah. quick little strange story about Espanola? Yeah. I, okay. The most random, out-of-place um, uh, New Mexico film location that I've ever seen in a television show was in Espanola. I was watching this show, oh. The Flash, uh. mm-hmm. and The Flash, I, Barry Allen, mm-hmm. goes to find um, a bad guy. And so he goes to a bad guy bar, which is an exterior shot of the Saints and Sinners Lounge in Española. And there's absolutely nothing else filmed in New Mexico in that whole series ever. And it's like, it's the Adobe... Building, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, clearly in this, like, more arid place. And just name. like, why are we, yeah. we suddenly jump to Weird. Espanola, New Mexico. Just uh, clearly they just had a location, like establishing shot. And we're like, yeah, that'll work.
1: But I guess you hilarious.
0: Can run hilarious. Now I want to see that. Real fast.
1: <laughs> Interesting. That yeah, was used in some other shows too, wasn't it? Saints and Sinners? I thought it, it was been, a Breaking Bad. Even. It probably yeah. was.
2: I mean, but, but that makes sense, yeah, you know, yeah. The, yeah. given that they're but actually they made it set. Albuquerque. Yeah. 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 Right, but yeah. this was supposed to be
1: yeah.
0: Center
2: City, I think, in hmm. the show.
1: Apparently, it's a hot spot for biker gangs. What I yeah, yeah, well, that that would make sense. Yeah, if, I were, yeah.
2: if I were if I were a biker gang, I would totally yeah, yeah. go Saints
1: there. Saints
0: and sinners. Yeah, yeah, I've never been there. Always, yeah. yeah. I've just seen the
1: sign. Yeah, driven by him. Okay, well, okay. all
2: right. So the Gray Brothers. So right. the Gray
0: Brothers going on a campus tour at CSU,
2: and they're young. They're like what nineteen.
0: One is, um, I think, in his first year of college, and one is in high school. Oh, okay. was like yeah. 15 and 19, mm-hmm. 15 and 18. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're running late. They show up late to the campus tour. They join the campus tour, and all is fine until some mom.
2: Yeah, this is not a good... Like, it, it's really hard to find any... Reason that she yeah. would have made a think about like she called nine one one she them.
0: called nine one one she didn't she didn't talk to the tour guide she didn't i mean she called nine one one
2: and her reasons were that they were being too quiet yes they showed up late
0: and they and she thought they were lying about um their majors because they were laughing uh.
1: Yeah. And and
0: because they wore shirts with scary symbols Weird. on them. Oh,
1: they had metal shirts. Yeah, on. they were exactly. like metal shirts. Yeah. Black yeah. clothing she said.
0: Which
2: hmm. Yeah, having a real hard time here. I try there, to see her side. There are so no. many stories
1: like this that I think that there must be like conversations happening on white nationalist message boards or something like that saying let's all like report anybody who's a minority that happens to be standing around a public business or something like well, that. It's I mean,
2: interesting. Seriously, yeah. I mean, think
1: about it. It happened at Starbucks. It happened here. I've seen a few other mentions of other stories elsewhere. I didn't even think about
2: it, it in terms of the Starbucks thing. And okay, yeah. so uh, I think one thing that we didn't mention is that they are um, Native, Native American. Native, Native yeah. American. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And she thought that they were quote Unquote Mexican. Right. Yeah, right. Um,
1: yeah that doesn't yeah. sound racist at all. Right. Mean. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I listened to her uh, 911 call. Did you listen to the 911 call?
1: <laughs> help, help. There's some quiet guys. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> Their
2: skin's dark. Well, it's weird to listen to it because she (laughs) clearly knows on some level that this is insane. Because she's like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have called, but, uh, you know, I just, I've got a weird feeling about these two boys. You know, like she's super. She's questioning. She's questioning it as she's doing it, right? Doing the reporting. It's
0: just, what? What Do you think she'll ever come out and say, do a public apology or would?
1: Probably not yes, she probably she has no self awareness she never reads the news or anything like that, or she would see that calling the police on minorities is like a death sentence these days well yeah uh, that's the, the thing What an Call insane thing to do. Why would you do that I know uh,
0: but
2: yeah i mean at the at the least I mean, I would think if if your weird spidey senses going off and you feel like someone's being too quiet mm-hmm. near i mean the, the basic complaint is n- nonsense but yeah. wouldn't you at least uh. talk to the tour guide and be like hey so these two kids are they supposed to be with the right. tour and then the guy can go yes they signed up they were late
0: and i i also wonder she's a parent to a teenager has she ever been around teenagers who have different interests than i don't know right. quote unquote normal stuff or just that I, I just can't Maybe as a teacher who sees a lot of different yeah. types of people, I, yeah. this is just, I'm flabbergasted but also, and horrified.
2: You know, you're know, you a teacher who sees a lot of different types of people in a very culturally diverse state, right? And I don't True. know where this lady's coming from, but maybe she's, you know, there are different, like...
1: Utah or a something.
2: Yeah, there are different ways of, like, being, depending on the culture that you're in, you know, yeah. and how you respond to somebody asking you a question and... Where yeah. I come
1: from We just make sure The mon- minorities All get killed By the police <laughs> As fast oh, as God. possible It's really oh, oh, It seems to be What she's doing What the yeah. hell That's so dangerous <laughs> And horrible I know Yeah It's well, definitely Dangerous and horrible I the, saw
0: one way To support the Gray brothers That's pretty awesome uh-huh. Is by listening And buying Their band's Album and merch oh,
2: <laughs> Their band Okay so who's their Who is their uh, band What's their band
0: snot goblin snot which awesome. i love
2: i do kind of love that oh man and it's, you look
0: and you just i mean i don't know if metal nerds exist but to me sure. i watch the videos and yeah. there's like paper mache or constructed goblins and one of the brothers is like trying to kill the goblin and getting covered in snot like oh. it's what? just so awesome they're oh. so invested in this premise oh, of snot man. goblin well that's cool that's i kind of like that yeah. idea that you Good
2: could like let's let's uh, check out their uh well, like the, their band bandcamp and yeah. listen to their album. So do you know their I'm looking at it right now actually. It's snotgoblin.bandcamp.com.
1: Please splice some of their music into this. That's I'm going to yeah, yeah. a little.
2: And <laughs> here's a little taste of yeah. Snot Goblin.
1: You know, yeah. I I've been to this great festival in Shiprock, New Mexico twice called the Electro Indie Punk Fest. <laughs> it's just really descriptive. It's wonderful. And it's so awesome, but it's all these wonderful little bands and performers that have just uh, you know crafted these amazing sounds and performances out you know out in this incredibly isolated area, and you know there 's just these wonderful music scenes that exist in these like tiny places you know yeah. and so many of them are native artists and it 's awesome it 's so cool yeah. I, if you ever get a chance to go to that last time I went, I hitchhiked back just to see if I could still do it. It was fun and <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I, had good, I had a good time and uh but I mean the uh, i don't i think it's it's really cool i noticed on facebook i have uh four mutual friends with the older brother in the mm-hmm. band i'm like all right nice cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah i knew these people were like i but i i mean just reading the article i was like there's no way they're not connected to people in the scene here in yeah. albuquerque there yeah. there's not a chance um what a sad thing though i mean seriously and yeah if you've seen them on social media they've been awesome and their mom has been awesome like mm-hmm. defending them and stuff Yeah, R- that's really true. cool yeah, you
0: know that's true. um
1: well, that's a shame that that We happened. should all, oh, if yeah. only
0: we knew the mom, we could all send her copies of the album, I know. Snot Goblin. No, we're going to yeah.
2: keep the copies of the album. Oh, yeah. you mean the mom who the reported mo- yeah, them? The reported
0: oh, yeah, the mom who reported them. We should show yeah. up
1: outside her house like, and say anything with the stereo above our heads playing Snot Play Goblin. Snot yeah. Goblin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something, I don't know. That's probably so go by
0: and listen okay. to Snot Goblin.
1: Yeah, I think that's
2: a good idea. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, well um, let's see. Shall we... What else? Shall we make a return to Sabino or are there still some things we want to? Is
1: there anything else we want to chat about? Is there? we we're all good? We're all still alive. That's good. They, yeah. Yes. It's getting Unless hot. Charles oh my gosh. Charles
0: Lindbergh's. Oh no. Oh wait. Yeah. That
1: was, that's
0: a taste of what's to come. A little bit, yeah. Sort Ollie reads of. in the journal
1: today that we're stuck with hot, like 90 degree weather for yeah. the next week.
2: At least my swamp cooler is broken.
1: Oh, my air conditioner, my car is is broken. My kids are like about to disown me.
2: Oh,
0: my God. I'm not really enjoying this weather, I have to say. It's Uh, kind of horrible.
1: I just feel ill all the time from it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember now. (laughs) This was a thing. I got a
2: weird message on our our Facebook. Okay. And I promised we would try to answer her question on the air. Oh, what? (laughs) Do Do you know what I'm talking about?
0: Is this the sound?
2: <laughs> yeah, this is the sound in the uh, oh,
1: in the okay. Sandia Mountains. Um, she was in the foothills. Okay, let me. Something.
2: Yeah, so uh, I think she was on the other side of the. Yeah, she was in the uh, the west side of the Sandia. Oh, she's in the west. Wait, what? E- east side of the Sandias. East side. Of
1: the Sandias.
2: East, side of the Sandias. <laughs> east side of the Sandias. I got oh, turned around so there right for a like, second. So that's the green and, okay, you know, right. like you could
1: actually. Yeah, yeah. Sadio, maybe.
2: And her name is Saba. Okay. <laughs> This yep. is the message. I was up in the Sandia Mountains a couple of hours ago, and I received this at uh, oh, 11.58 PM. So she's there at night in the Cibola National Forest. I was in a little meadow with a friend appreciating the amazing full moon. We heard a very loud, very terrible noise twice. It lasted between 7 to 10 seconds the first time. And close to 15 the second time. It sounded like metal screeching, like brake pads that needed to be replaced, like a metal bridge twisting and breaking. This is pretty evocative. It began and ended abruptly. We left in a bit of a hurry and drove up the road a ways. There were no signs of anything, no cars, no people, no animals. Just a quiet moonlit night. Is this a common phenomenon?:
1: No animals. She did a tally of the whole area. <laughs> she surveyed the area and found there were no animals. That's amazing.
2: Do you have any explanation for
1: it? It's us? probably a mountain lion. You've heard a mountain lion scream before, right?: probably.
2: That was actually Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: They,
2: they wow. have a really
1: yeah.
2: alarming, strange cry. Yeah. People describe it as sounding like an old like a woman screaming uh, yeah. often. Huh. you ever I've heard a mountain lion: no. I've heard them in
1: Florida. But not here.
2: I don't think I've ever actually heard a real one. I've heard like yeah. on nature documentaries. Where oh, they, yeah.
0: I don't even know if I've heard that. <laughs> but
2: yeah, that's. Oh. But it's like apparently really loud, yeah. and it could. It's all oh. described as a woman screaming. That's
1: my guess. But um, I had some friends out in Edgewood, and they had a mountain lion in their backyard and a tree. Uh, out there, yeah, and yeah. And just, I mean, so I know they're around. They're in the area. And there was one that like picked up a toddler and ran away with it a, a few years ago,
2: in up New in the
1: Yeah, yeah. And the, what happened? The, to the, the I think the kid was dropped and left alone, and then the dad was like, "It's a crypto animal that's never existed before." And everyone's <laughs> like, "It's probably a mountain lion." The Baby eating. <laughs> but um, baby eating mountain. Lions. I think mountain lions are so cool. I like.
2: They're very cool. They, they're. <laughs> don't run a one. Don't want to no. run into. <laughs>
1: Man I saw one once in Florida and it was just like magic. It was like the coolest experience. Like it just felt like, like meeting nature or something like that. Like something totally wild. I that's my guess. But who knows? It could have been people screaming or yeah. playing a stereo suddenly or turning a car on or squealing the whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's a million things. My guess would have been yeah. that it was
2: close to the to the road, you know, maybe somebody oh, yeah. scraped up against a guardrail or something. Oh yeah. Oh there
1: oh, yeah. you go. Yeah. That's a good one. That would be. Yeah. Um we talked about doing a whole yeah. episode of this, like our Halloween episode <laughs> about that sound in the Research, woman's backyard. I f- yeah. What if it was yeah. um, <laughs> some sort of,
0: you know, illegal, like drug or alcohol making? Oh,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, that, um, yeah, this is what it Operation. sounds
1: like. It's the final step in the yeah. filtration process. <laughs> this is what it sounds strange. Like. Yeah. Yeah. To, to make scream.
0: illegal drugs.
2: Yeah. I feel like yeah. aren't there old like witches spells and things that, like, it requires. Oh, so like when you dig mm. up a mandrake root
1: mm-hmm. that's
2: grown beneath the body of a hanged man, huh. and you dig it up, it's supposed to scream. Whoa! Maybe that was what was oh. going on. That I mean, was it. They okay. probably. It. I retract
1: <laughs> my mountain yep. lion explanation. <laughs> Obviously, a screaming mandrake. It's
0: mandrake.
1: Well, that's
2: my suggestion. If there was, <laughs> we should ask her if there was a hanged man anywhere nearby. Oh man. man. <laughs> and then she also she said it was no way it was heavy equipment. Um. The closest things we've discovered are a metal screeching sound effect that popped up after searching metal screaming. (laughs) Oh, a caterwauling mountain lion, but much longer in duration. So she did listen to a a caterwauling uh, mountain lion and said it was at least close enough that she thought it had some resemblance. So.
0: That's yeah. what I'm guessing for real. Maybe some mating ritual. Yeah. You know, yeah. that is kind of prolonged.
1: I mean, or who hasn't walked along in the woods by themselves just screaming? <laughs> I, mean, just been, <laughs> I see people
2: in Central doing that,
0: actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and her final uh, suggestion was some kind of a, interdimensional portal slowly being torn through space time oh. continuum that will forever change reality as we currently
1: accept That's it. That's very possible, too.
0: But it's not by that Los Lunas portal
2: yeah nowhere near Lordsburg Nor, yeah I yeah. mean
1: so. hmm. I'm unfamiliar well, with any I like this kind of viewer mail though I got I say. do too if you've heard a weird Thank noise you. at yeah. night, <laughs> send us a message yeah and, uh, thanks I guess for listening you can probably email us at
2: city on the edge a podcast gmail.com <laughs> or uh, via our Facebook page yeah. Um We've got a really good response rate on our Facebook page, oh, so if, nice. you, if you email us, we will respond. Someone will respond. Will respond. Nice. Um, okay. All right. Let's, Let's talk yeah. about Sabino. Let's do it. All right, so remind us about Sabino. Right. Just give us a quick little...
1: I would like to urge our listeners who haven't heard the previous episode to go listen to it, because that's kind of the first part of this episode. I mean, you'll be able to follow this just fine, but, but um, Sabino was this strange little spot in the Manzano Mountains that... Probably actually wasn't that strange. It was really common. It was really similar to a lot of other uh, little towns. But, you know, um, it uh, the original phase of it from the 1800s is now nothing but rubble ruins. But it had later phases also, like a fox farm in the early 1900s and um, and a really weird phase in the 1970s. Um, but uh, and, and we'll get to all that. But it's in the Manzano Mountains. It's east of of uh, Albuquerque. Not that far at all. It's currently a Bernalillo County open space. Yeah. And, um, we, the next sections of this are going to be about the Delco light plant that's out at the place which is really interesting because we just never think about farmers at the advent of electrification and what how they were using that to their advantage. Right. They would build these like little sheds that were basically like glowing cubes on the edge (laughs) of their farms and they would just shine with a generator motor going probably too. You'd probably hear that. And they would uh, just illuminate the whole area so they could work longer in the day really a weird thing we never think or talk about ever, ever, you know, like when have you seen that represented in a movie or something, a Delco light plant, Mm -hmm. but the the pieces of it are all over out there. And that's going to be the next section that I read here.
2: And I think the last section pretty much ended with, with the original community basically like dissolving because of lack of water.
1: Right. There was this horrible drought in the late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, it was arguably one of the, the worst of the last thousand years of tree rings have have anything to say about it, and uh, it probably dried the spring up because the spring is still dry there. It was originally Ojo Sabino, this little community you know Sabino spring juniper spring and um, that 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 uh, spring is just not there now like when you 're out there now you 're like this place is so dry. why yeah. would you pick this spot to live in like there 's no water there's no, <laughs> there 's nothing right and uh, and it 's pretty it 's nice it's I love the desert everywhere really but but um yeah, and so then. Uh, this, but this place had several successive phases, and we're going we're gonna to get into a couple more of them.
2: Okay, well, let's go ahead and get into it. Right.
1: Sabino Canyon, Part 3, The Stone Ruin. Approximately one half mile northwest of the former site of Ojo Sabino lies the remains of the Reedmont Fur Farm. There, on land now part of Bernalillo County's Sabino Ca- Canyon open space, another small settlement once existed, a settlement composed mostly, much as a Ojo Sabino may have been, of a family, its means of providing income and its employees. Whereas in Ojo Sabino, Jose de la Cruz Gonzalez created a farm to grow crops. At the Reedmont Fur Farm, one Alexander Ignatius Reedling raised foxes for their pelts. Something else it seems connects these two locales as well a roofless but otherwise surviving structure at the Reedmont Fur Farm, the simple stone construction of which offers a strong suggestion that at least one family from the community of Ojo Sabino settled the Reedmont area. Most likely decades before the establishment of the fur farm. A two-track dirt road perforated by weedy tufts runs from a washboard parking lot up a hill toward the main buildings of the old fur farm. Shortly after that road emerges from a juniper-covered hillside into a desert meadow, One can walk to the west, to the right, and discover the walls of the old stone building, the materials and the construction of which bear no resemblance to the other buildings of the fur farm, but which possess notable similarities to the remains of Ojo Sabino. The building features a stone foundation almost identical to the foundations still to be seen in Ojo Sabino, but unlike those, this one still has its walls. The building's appearance suggests it may have been built by the same people and around the same time as the buildings of Ojo Sabino. But unlike those, this was evidently maintained for some time afterward. It appears to have been used, most likely by the owners and staff of the fur farm, to house a Delco light plant, a gas or kerosene-powered generator used to generate electricity. Electricity which could then be stored in a stand of 16 large glass batteries, batteries which could power lights to allow employees of the fur farm to work at night. These light plants were commonly used in rural areas in the 1920s and 1930s, and numerous pieces of glass Delco batteries now litter the desert sand around the building. This notion would require a more in-depth archaeological investigation to confirm it, but all available evidence does suggest that the building predates the rest of the fur farm, that the building was used by the fur farm in the years after Ojo Sabino, and that the building at one point housed a light plant. What is less sure, however, is who built the building in the first place, and who first lived in it. But one possibility does come to mind, involving the building's close proximity to a grassy meadow that could have made an ideal pasture for sheep or other livestock. Ojo Sabino, the census of 1880 reveals, was home to only one documented herder, Jose de Trujillo. Trujillo had a wife and two daughters, and it seems possible that he would have liked to have had them live close to the fields in which he grazed his animals. Perhaps he built a little house near the edge of the meadow expressly for that purpose. It would have been only half a mile or so from the rest of the community, close enough to be included in its small society, yet far enough that his animals wouldn't eat or trample the other's fields. There might have also been some minor appeal to being located away from the noise of the settlement's many children, which in 1880 almost outnumbered its adults, comprising 46% of the town's total population. And as someone who had already chosen a notoriously solitary profession, that of a herder, he may have enjoyed the privacy. Regardless, Of who first built and lived in the stone house, though, it remains as an interesting suggestion that the buildings of Ojo Sabino may have been as scattered as they were concentrated, and it remains situated where it is as an interesting link between the predominantly 19th century community of Ojo Sabino and the early 20th century of the Reedmont Fur Farm. Sabino Canyon Part 4, The Reedmont Fur Farm. A short journey farther up the dirt track, past the juniper-concealed stone ruin, along the western edge of the wild meadow, and just beyond where the grass gives way once more to desert forest, slumped the majority of the remaining structures of the old Reedmont Fur Farm. There is a small, one-room house in the midst of a slow restoration, an outhouse, stables, sheds, scattered stands of chicken wire animal cages, and a cylindrical water tank atop a cinder block outbuilding. Barely visible from this main area of the one-time fur farm is another structure in the opposite eastern corner of the meadow, a long structure of wood and chicken wire and metal containing rows and rows of cages, cages notably larger than those around the main buildings. These are the remnants of a place that once was, a place that still is, is something else. The site of the fur farm was once much like that of Ojo Sabino in that it was part of the Canyon de Carnway land grant. As a matter of fact, the site of the fur farm may have once actually been Ojo Sabino, that is, a peripheral part of it, if the older stone ruin included among the other structures means anything. With its scenic meadow, its view of Cedro Peak, and its relative isolation, Alexander Reedling, the founder of Reedmont Fur Farm, may have seen it as an almost ideal place to make a small dream of his into a reality. Alexander Ignatius Riedling, or A.I. Riedling as he was more often known, was born in 1880 in the city of Vienna, Austria, the son of an Austrian insurance salesman and an English housewife. Riedling received the best private schooling available in Vienna, and as Riedling's father traveled extensively as part of his business, he often took his son with him. Some of these travels took the young Riedling to the United States. Some of these travels took the young Reedling to the United States, which Reedling liked enough to move there on his own at the age of seventeen, and to then remain there for the rest of his life. Initially, Reedling worked at a piano factory in Leicester, Pennsylvania, for the Leicester Piano Company, being recognized for his extreme competence and receiving promotion after promotion until eventually becoming a factory superintendent. At some point, Reedling lived for a period of time in Wisconsin, in the Plymouth Sheboygan area, and it was in Plymouth that he married his wife in nineteen oh six, Lilla Theodora Volquartz, a German-American Wisconsin native born in 1881. Their only daughter, Ruth Riedling, was born thereabouts in 1909. In time, the Reedling family moved to Denver, Colorado, where A.I. Reedling worked for the Baldwin Piano Company. There he made himself a valuable asset to the company that he was eventually asked to move uh, to another Baldwin Piano Company store in Albuquerque, New Mexico. In Albuquerque, beginning in 1916, Riedling worked in the company's sales rooms in a little store at 221 West Central Avenue. The 1917 Albuquerque phone book listed Reedling as a salesman for the Baldwin Piano Company. The 1918 phone book listed him as a manager. And by the 1920 edition, the Baldwin Piano Company had ceased to be, and in its place was the AI Reedling Music Co., proud home of everything musical. With Reedling as the store's new namesake and manager, the company sold all kinds of quote, pianos and player pianos, musical instruments and supplies, unquote, and it thrived. Every year, their advertisements in Albuquerque's phone books and newspapers grew larger, more numerous, and boasted more musical wares. By 1922, Riedling also offered Victrolas and Victor Records, quote-unquote, and had not, I'm sorry, and had become not just the store's manager, but also its proprietor. By 1924, he had expanded his selection of phonographs to include the Brunswick brand, and by 1928, he had begun carrying radio equipment. An advertisement in the 1931 Albuquerque phone book added an unusual new item for a music store majestic refrigerators. And it may be that Reedling, in those early years of the nationally traumatic Great Depression, needed to do whatever he could to stay afloat f- financially. That notion receives further support from the 1931 phone book, the first to advertise another hopeful venture of Reedling's the Fur Farm near Sabino, Sabino Canyon. Reedmont Fur Farms, the entry that year reads, AI Reedling. Prop, breeders of silver foxes, 304 West Central Ave. Reedling, it seems, ran his fur farm's operations directly out of his music store. The 1932 phone book listed the fur farm as well, but 1933 and 1934's did not, most likely because of Reedling's premature death in 1933. Reedling's music store continued to offer refrigerators for sale and branched out to include other appliances. Roy Thompson, a salesperson, took over as the company's president and manager, although Lilla Reedling retained company ownership. During Reedling's nearly two decades in Albuquerque, he became a respected citizen and a prominent Mason. The two Masonic lodges of which he was a member, Number 6 and 60, still possess files about Reedling, showing that he had achieved the high rank of Master Mason, was a founding member of Lodge Number 60, was not above being photographed wearing both a fez and a bow tie, and was, according to a 1933 Masonic newsletter, a splendid fellow with many friends, quote-unquote. Before his death, Riedling had been sick for quite some time. In June of 1932, he had been stricken with paralysis, quote unquote, according to the January 13, 1933 Albuquerque Journal, as a result of a stroke. For several months, his health deteriorated until January 12, 1933, when he lapsed into unconsciousness, remained in that state for a few days, and then died at the age of 53, quote, at his ranch in Cedro Canyon, unquote. His daughter, Ruth, now Ruth Donlan of Tulsa, Oklahoma, the wife of Vernon Donlan, had been to Riedmont only days before his death and immediately returned upon receiving the news. His death made the front pages of both the Albuquerque Journal and the New Mexico State Tribune, though the journal misspelled his name in its story's very first sentence. French mortuary displayed his body for a viewing. His funeral was held at the local Masonic temple, and his burial took place at Sunset Memorial Park, where his headstone can can still be seen today in Block 20, Section 18DD. During Reedmont Fur Farm's apparent peak in the early 1930s, at least 300 and perhaps as many as 500 silver foxes were kept there. But the Depression left even many well-to-do Americans unable to spend money on such luxuries as fur coats and stoles. The fur market imploded, and the effort at Reedmont was eventually discontinued. Following that attempt, according to the 2005 Sabino Canyon Resource Management Plan, mink and rabbits were raised until each of their market values also crashed. "Quote unquote. Smaller cages on the property still attest to this. Though a January 16th, 1936 Albuquerque Journal article stated that Lilla Reedling was still raising foxes there that year, so the rabbits and minks may have come after that, or, wh- or while foxes were still there. Quote, Since Mr. Reedling's death several years ago, she has resided in Cedro Canyon, where she has a ranch and manages a fox farm, said the article. Lilla Reedmont remained at the ranch for about three years in the little house in which her husband had died, but during the last few months of that time, her mourning seemed to give way to something more, home- more hopeful. Thomas Savage, a businessman from Denver, Colorado, began paying visits to the widowed Mrs. Reedling. Quote, Savage has been here frequently in recent months, unquote, the January 16th, 1936 Albuquerque Journal reported. And early that January, the two were married, quote, probably in Raton, unquote, before taking a honeymoon to Southern California. In the Society Notes section of the journal on January 18th, 1936, the paper noted that Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Savage have arrived in the city and are at present at Mrs. Savage's ranch in Sedro Canyon. Mrs. Savage said Friday no plans had been made regarding their permanent residence. With a new life ahead of her, with her first husband dead and her daughter a state away, Reedmont Fur Farm was not an apparent priority, and its evanescence seems to have continued into near completeness. It would receive no more mentions in the press, it would no longer be advertised, and Lilla Riedling would not remain to oversee it. In the March 29, 1955, Albuquerque Journal, a brief note among the district court's items of business would record In the matter of trust of Alexander I. Reedling deceased, order approving annual report of trustee, and that would be that. The buildings and cages of the fur farm would warm in weather, Reedling's music store would change their hands and names over the following decades, and that would be the end of Reedmont Fur Farm. Or it would almost be. It would no longer be a place of yipping and excrement and blood and captivity, but it would years later be inhabited once again, if only for a short while, by a famous surgeon, Dr. W. Sterling Edwards.
0: Whoa, lots of stuff in yeah. a space I wouldn't have guessed. Yeah. Do with the Delco light farms right, right. did individual people buy them or did the did the I proprietor so.
1: Yeah. I think it would have been whoever had that land at the time. Whoever it, needed the, yeah. the light. Yeah.
0: I wonder how much that cost.
1: I wonder too, yeah. Maybe it was connected to the fur farm, because it does see, like, why would you need to work at right. night? Right. You
0: know? And so, why even with a fur yeah. farm would you need to? W- right. I mean,
1: it, there's always more to do than the day lets you do, I guess. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, strange.
2: I did some research on uh, AI Reedling. Oh, yeah? I found out he actually uh, had his own piano company for a few years. Up really? in Sheboygan, he manufactured Reedling pianos, which Whoa. are still out there. Uh, cool. I saw some for sale on Craigslist. No way! Yeah, oh, uh, pianos, not actually? locally uh, yeah. necessarily, but uh, they are out there. they are
1: good.
2: He, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. They, well, the only thing I saw was they said, "Well, you know, pianos don't improve with age most of the oh, time." So,
0: yeah,
2: too bad. Um, yeah, it's uh, too bad. Uh, but he actually went. That company went bankrupt, mm-hmm. and then he spent a little time in prison. Before. Whoa. For apparently. um, What? Some kind of misuse of funds. Oh, really? Yeah. uh, Whoa. Yeah, and he, he stayed there and. I guess that was he kind of left the Sheboygan, Wisconsin area under a wow. little bit of a cloud. Jeez. Came to Houston and then came out here after that.
1: So. This is a neat story that bridges our states, Nora. This yeah, great. I know. Like, yeah, I know name?
0: where Sheboygan is yeah. and then there. Now I have to go see. Reedley. And I've <laughs> That's impressive research. Lived type. in Houston. <gasps> oh my gosh! Hey. And then wow.
2: while he was here, um, not only was he buried at uh, Sunset Park, is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he was one of the founding uh, investors. Oh, all the early ads wow. have his name right next to Samuel French.
1: I'll tell you, it is so cool to walk through those old cemeteries when you have like some grasp of local history. It's, yeah. It's amazing to me. Like you know I love that article you wrote for the Alibi long ago about was it Fairview Cemetery where you, yeah, like, that was you just Fair went through View. grave after grave? And
2: um, I think we should do that for our uh, Halloween episode. Oh,
1: that's We should exactly. go Ooh, and find some interesting yeah. graves. That should have been a column, idea. man. That should have been every, yeah. ep- every issue, in my opinion. Someone
0: yeah. buy Ty's column. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go.
1: Seriously, there's no end to the interesting cemetery story. Yeah. You know? Well, that's amazing. So he got busted for that. Well, that doesn't surprise me since he was fine with mistreating animals for a career.
2: Sure, you know? sure.
1: Like, no.
0: Can I ask uh-huh. is there proof that he mistreated or are we assuming that all you should just fur see this bombs. place? I
1: mean the 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 cages are all one atop each other. Uh, each oh, another. Okay. So the animals would have had to have been like just pissing and crapping all yeah. over each other. Well I think didn't okay. you say
2: that uh yeah. Yeah they're they're on top of each other so yeah you stuck your kids with them right
1: and they're stuck in cages for their short lives before they're you know skinned skinned and like you know i mean i don't know i know that it's a different mentality today than it was then and everything right. but You know, it's just like animals have always been beautiful and intelligent. And it's really like when I hear people that just like are totally like treat them like nothing, like a commodity. I just know there's a gulf between us that will never be closed. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I'm not a vegetarian, so I'm a hypocrite. But like animals are mysterious. You know, W.G. Sebald, humans and animals stand on either side of a gulf of mutual incomprehensibility. You know, like we just it's you can't say that they're simple. Anytime I hear that argument, like fish can't feel anything. What what are you talking yeah. About? Yeah. You know, Like No, animals live in like a mysterious realm that we can never fathom. But
0: um, And I definitely think know? that the wearing of explicit animal furs is totally out of fashion. Yeah, well, I'm, at least in certain... Yeah. Yeah. Se- Should be.
1: <laughs>
0: sex of society. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: I mean, sure, they're soft and they look cool sometimes and oh. stuff, but it's like, I, I just... You know,
0: if
2: you're living traditionally in the
1: Arctic, it's... yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, yeah, right. hey, I hunted this. myself. So well it it myself.
0: now that we're sitting in 90 degree weather. Yeah. I'm like New Mexico had fur coats. <laughs> Who the yeah. hell wore them? And when? Yeah, it's too hot for fur. But
1: there's like photos of Marilyn Monroe with a silver fox yeah. stole or something. Like that. You know, I mean, those were things that you saw around mm-hmm. old Hollywood a lot too. Yeah.
2: And then finally, yeah. his uh, his music store. Riedling music lasted until the 80s. Oh, really? Yeah. There's an article in 1982 about it.
1: Dude. Um,
2: mm. It's under the the, the family of, uh, the Reardon family owned it, actually. You know?
1: Okay, I don't yeah. know that family.
2: I don't know. They, they're a long time
1: hmm. um, I, I wanted family. to look up these addresses, that, but I, but we should probably pause it if we do that, because I'm curious what those are today, his old music story. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll... Do that before the end of the episode, but yeah, I'm, we got to write something together sometime because you always find stuff I don't find. That's yeah, I, I thought I was very good. thorough about this, but you know, yeah, you know, amazing. Um, well, cool. Well, there's one more section. Should we read that one? Sure. Yeah. Let's go all ahead. right. All right. <laughs> Sabino Canyon, Part Five. Some land I owned in the Monzano Mountains. In a place with the history of an unpeopled desert wilderness, an old-time farming settlement, and a Depression-era fur farm, a renowned cardiovascular surgeon might not seem like the most likely or typical resident. W. Sterling Edwards, however, was not exactly typical. Born in 1920 in Birmingham, Alabama, Edwards grew up, graduated from the Virginia Military Institute, and received his doctorate from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. He practiced as a surgeon in Massachusetts, in Ohio, and in Alabama, where he developed the world's first synthetic artery, and he wrote the book on the subject, Plastic Arterial Graphs, which was published in 1957. In 1969, Edwards and his family moved to New Mexico, to Albuquerque, where Edwards joined the staff of the University of New Mexico's D- Department of Surgery. In 1971, Edwards became a part of the story of the world of Sabino Canyon when he bought the remains of the old Reedmont Fur Farm. In... What does my life mean? Edwards' self-published 2000 autobiography. He wrote about a visit he made to a clinic in Pennsylvania, a clinic created to help wealthy men and women lower their blood p- pressure through proper diet and exercise. Quote, the clinic was well-organized and efficient, but very expensive. Unquote, he wrote. I got the idea that I might try to develop such a clinic near Albuquerque on some land I owned in the Monzano Mountains. I wanted it to be less expensive than Pritkin's in Pennsylvania so we could treat middle class and less affluent people. After hiring an architect and a surveyor to examine the old fur farm, drawing up building plans, and spending at least $40,000 on the idea, Edwards decided the financial risk was too great and rented a place in Albuquerque instead. Reedmont almost became a blood pressure clinic for middle-income people, but what it became instead was a mountain getaway for Edwards and his family. It was there, at least in part, that Edwards likely researched and wrote a biography of Alexis Carell the race-obsessed surgeon who, among other things, worked with famed aviator Charles Lindbergh to create devices that would allow organs to stay alive outside the body. Edward's book, Alexis Carell, Visionary Surgeon, saw publication in 1974, and Lindbergh himself wrote the books forward. Today, walking among the ruins of the old fur farm, one can see numerous signs of now-tattered modernization, splayed electric cables here, a boxy power meter there, or some painted trim too bright to be as old as the farm. And all of these are remnants of Edward's little era there. With his modern ideas and his advanced surgical know-how, Edward's role in the quiet history of the Sabino Canyon area may seem almost anachronistic, yet it serves as a reminder that the history of the place is not a dead thing. It's not just a thing that's past. It's not just a past that's past. Sorry. Um, Families lived in Ojo Sabino. Fathers and mothers worked there, children played there, babies were born there, people grew old and moved away, and the rocks of their houses' walls tumbled to the ground and rolled slowly back into the desert. Up the hill, a family built a business, raised animals, and created Reedmont. A little girl grew up there, locals worked there, and a man died in his bed. Decades later, the world had changed, but history had continued on relentlessly. Then the family there was the weekending family of a famous surgeon. They made repairs, they planned to make the place into a health retreat— And after enough time, they too went away, with the property eventually selling to the county. And even there, even now, its history continues. Our actions create it. The actions of every visitor to the area, of every picnicking family, of every group of hikers, all of them, all of us, are writing the next chapter in the area's history. Whether it will be a chapter of historic decline or a chapter of historic protection and restoration, that's up to us.
2: Thing about Charles Lindbergh is just just a, such a bizarre little it, footnote. It in really this.
1: is weird. I mean, Lindbergh was an odd figure. Yeah, really, really. Well, sh-
0: and Carell sounds problematic and oh yeah, bad too. Ray and subs- it's interesting that um, the doctor Edwards wrote a biography on him. Right. Just hearing that he wanted to open this clinic for you know. People who right. had less money, and to right. give. Whereas Corell was, his whole thing was, how, wasn't he a eugenicist? I read that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was yeah.
1: Super, yeah, not cool.
2: So what was yeah. the connection? Was there a draw there? Like, why, yeah. why was he drawn to write a? Work That's a good on question.
1: Him? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess I could read his book, but that sounds like a. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's we started a book club. Our yeah. first book will be "What Does My Life Mean?" <laughs> yeah,
1: oh, it's like a spiral bound thing you can <laughs> find in uh in the Center for Southwest Research, but um you know or no, it's in the uh like the medical library mm. at UNM. I remember that it was like one of the only times I researched there.
2: There's an yeah. oral history of this guy. Um, sorry, what is the doctor's name again?
1: Uh, w. Sterling. Yeah, Edwards. Edwards.
2: there is a an oral history about him, t- from him, about his time here in, in New
1: Mexico. On, w. Sterling Edwards.
2: Online on the... Really? Yeah. There's a... You have to... We'll, we'll put a link on our Facebook huh. page at some point if you're interested. It's not, not super compelling. He doesn't yeah. talk about the Lindbergh thing at all. Just... Interesting. <laughs> very
1: odd. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting I I read that Pulitzer Prize-winning biography of Lindbergh. Mm-hmm that came out some time ago, which really needs to be revised since they found out that he was a bigamist and had a secret family in Europe. Yeah, that's like, like a big chapter. Yeah, right? I'm like, when, are you, when, is, when is that story going to be written? The only book written on it is in German. I think Lindbergh's an incredibly interesting figure because he spans the 20th century. I mean, first to fly across the ocean and then was there when the first Apollo mission launched. I mean, like, that's a, that mm-hmm. is a life. It's impressive. You know? Yeah. I mean, but he also was super weird when it came to uh, race. I mean, he was horrible. I mean, like, you know that he uh, was super anti-war as long as it was war against Germany, and then Riot. the right. you know, and then the moment it's against Japan, he's like, "I'll fly a bomber myself. I'll <laughs> do runs myself." And then he, his
0: his yeah. is the Lindbergh baby.
1: Oh well, that was, was that was a sad chapter. Yeah, his kid that, got kidnapped, and, and part and, I mean, of his life though, I yeah, mean, that,
0: and it was very sensationalized. Right, and, his
1: wife was such a good writer. Anne Lindbergh is a terrific writer. I mean, she really punched up his. He wrote two books about his flight across the ocean, and the first one's all like, "Here's what I did," and the second one, which had, her fingerprints are all over, it, is just art. <laughs> you know, it's so good. And uh, but you know, it, I mean, I, I guess you know you're never going to find non-complicated figures in history, but yeah, that's yeah. probably good. Yeah, in a way. It gives you something to yeah. talk about. Yeah, Philip Roth wrote that book. Yeah. The plot to. Destroy America mm-hmm. Is that what it's called Yeah um, And uh, about What if Lindbergh Had become president Which was something That he was actually Fancying doing At one point And had become This like total Anti-Semite uh, And you know Like had, had enacted Those laws And basically created a sort of Nazi Germany type Environment here And apparently It's being adapted Into a miniseries Right now Really I think by HBO But Oh wow I'm definitely Going to watch that But, but um, yeah Interesting figure But like I, I don't know If he's one Necessarily to admire Right but, you know, You know, he's just yeah like uh you know I mean mean, those attitudes are definitely not right yeah but um you know well and
0: it's interesting to thinking of Edwards and how he made a synthetic artery right right which I could use or a family member could use and I think okay but when Lindbergh and Carell make those organs that yeah are what exist yeah. outside the body and sort of this yeah. immortality right. thing, right. then it starts to get a little bit... <laughs> right. What is that? Some God complex? Right. Or is it just you want to live longer, which a lot of yeah. us, you know, right. yeah, want to do.
1: There's a book called The Immortalists. I own it, but I've never read it. It's uh. it, The subtitle is something about, like, how Charles Lindbergh, Alexis Carell, and blah, 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 tried to live forever or something. I mean, you know, it's... It seems like bad ideas just go, you know, when you already have the terrible idea of racism and like genetic superiority because of skin color or something right. like that, you're just going uh, to glom onto whatever terrible other idea. Right. It's why you get these fundamentalists that are also into like living dinosaurs and
0: right. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> all this
1: other stuff.
0: Although as a woman, I kind of want to put my uterus outside my body. That Just makes as sense. like, you know, to say. Just is, to show it to people. Just to show it Look. to people. <laughs> yeah.
2: Look at this. That's... Yeah. Okay. Bye. If you keep trying to <laughs>
0: regulate it, you got to see it <laughs> operating outside my body.
2: It does seem like <laughs> that would be a little convenient. So. <laughs> oh man. Well, that was great. Yeah, that oh. was an interesting uh, peek into a. Go see it sometime. New Take Mexico your, town. Yeah. 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 I, uh, no, I definitely. Like definitely you it's yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> You'll be like. Okay. <laughs> you go stick the kids in the cage. Yeah. And be like, <laughs> oh yeah, I got some great photos of my kids in those cages. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's really. It's fun, um, and it is a pretty area. And any time you get out into the desert or something, yeah, it's, it's nice. You always know? a
2: worthwhile Definitely. thing to do. So yeah. that's uh, Sabino Canyon yeah. open space, I think it's called.
1: Written ten years ago, I wish I had uh, changed some things. Like I, in, the, in the part I read in the previous episode, there's all that stuff about like these men and their wives. I would have written that totally different. Uh,
2: right?
1: You know, yeah. <laughs> like. But it's hard when you're drawing from those old documents. They're all phrased that way. Right. Sure. You really have to like right. do the mental math to switch it over. I, I should. I just didn't. You know, I would know. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Uh, super cool.
1: Anyway, well, thanks for talking about it with me, and uh, you guys are cool. All right, well, (laughs) thanks, (laughs) Mike. (laughs) 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 Same. Um, Um, Yeah, (laughs) that's
2: probably we've reached the end of
1: of that. If you have a personal story, listener, about Sabino of some sort, tell us what it is.
2: Dude, just tell us any story. Yeah, Yeah. we love listener feedback. It's fun. It's Yeah, we like interacting with
1: you. It's cool. <laughs> it's just nice to know that people listen, too. And, you know, the, yeah. it, like, it makes my day every time. Yeah. You know? um,
2: and, you know, yeah. what's also really nice is when people listen and then they also throw a few bucks our way. Oh, that's nice, know? too. That's pretty oh, great, too. That's yeah. really nice. So um, yeah. I'd like to take a moment to thank those people, which are, of course, our patrons. Yeah. And if you like us and what we do, um, there's a number of things you can do. Keep listening, first of all. Second yes. of all, tell your, tell your mom. Um, <laughs> and any other friends that you may or may not have, I I don't want to judge. There's nothing wrong with not having any friends, but you know, <laughs> I I hope that that's a choice you've made. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> or you can uh, <laughs> go on to Patreon.com/slash City on the Edge, mm-hmm. and you can throw a couple bucks our way, and it helps pay for, uh, for instance, this episode. We used uh, Newspapers.com to do some research on AI. Um, readling—that's mm-hmm. you know a couple hundred bucks a year, and um, you know we have certainly our SoundCloud site takes some money to to keep up and getting the word out. So it helps a lot. And I would like to thank those of you who have already contributed: Natasha Chizdies, Joshua Haland April, Rachel Langer, Lando Enchantment, Amy Nevitt, Jim Robillard, Christopher Holden. And then Waffle Tech, Ryan Schiff, Sierra Nets. Wow, I feel like we're getting more people that I awesome. have noticed. List. It's Thanks,
0: amazing, guys. Ben yeah. Tucker,
2: my old pal, Jean-Yves Bart, our uh, our French listener. Um, nice, Nicole Finch, Jessamine, Farrell M. Smith, uh, Amy Gabe, Isaac Clark, and Sandra Dodd. Thank you guys Thank so you. much, cool, and He'll what perfect well. timing!